um, 15 or 16 years ago, we had a family friend come and stay with us, um, a very, very close family friend. I would consider them family, actually. Um, and so when they moved, they came uh, and took a room in our house. Um, they um, brought all the stuff with them. They joined the local church that me uh, and my brother went to and some of my other family members. Um, and um, they got enrolled in the CU at the high school as well that they were going to at the time. Um, and it was really lovely having them around. It was really nice just to see them kind of really flourishing and they really, really enjoyed living with us. And that was fine for about a month. And then after about a month, I can remember them coming home one night and I just started to notice a slight change in their behaviour. They were slightly more introvert, slightly more less chatty. Um, and I can remember seeing for about two more months after this, this kind of happened more and more frequently. They'd come in from school, they'd come in from other things and just go straight to the room. And I can remember one night thinking, I'm going to have to speak to them, why? So I can remember knocking on the door, and um, just going and chatting to them. And it became clear that they were being picked on at high school by a group of lads who I knew of. Um, and they were quite nasty people, to be honest. Uh, and what they were doing wasn't very pleasant. And I can remember um, about two months later, this still going on and on and on. And that they would come home and they started to come home with bruises around the face. And obviously things were getting kind of notched up a little bit more. And I can remember one night, uh, this, this family member um, went out to meet some friends in town. And I can remember at about midnight, we got a knock on the door. Duff, duff, duff. So I was the only one awake. So I can remember coming downstairs and opening the front door. And uh, I was greeted to the sight of um, this person stood there covered in blood, just covered in blood and slurring the words. And I can remember just thinking all these things racing through my head. What's happened? What's happened? What's happened? Um, and so I got them in, made them a cup of tea and I said, oh, what's happened? And they said, oh, I've been attacked. Uh, this group of lads, they were out having a few beers and they found me and they beat me up. And I can remember in that split second, just losing it. And I can remember we were in the kitchen grabbing the first thing I could find that I could use as a weapon, ran out the door and I went to confront them. I ran all the way into town to confront them. Uh, and I can remember coming back after, and I can remember sitting down and thinking, that wasn't a natural reaction. That wasn't the way I should have dealt with that. I had the best intentions to try and solve it once and for all, but it could have really, really could have made things a lot worse. What we're looking at tonight is, um, we're looking at a character called Stephen. Okay, now we've been looking in church at the book of Philippians, um, and Paul's teachings in Philippians. And tonight we're going to look at a character called Stephen and how he dealt with wrongs that were done to him um, by uh, Saul, who later became Paul, and others um, who committed bad things against him, just like my family member had. And how Stephen dealt with this in a godly way, in a way that brought glory to God, in a way that exalted Jesus. Now, um, just before we start, just pop your hands up if somebody's A, either done anything to offend you, upset you, made you really angry, or anything like that. Just pop your hands up. Fantastic. So this is for you. This should be everybody. I'd be very surprised if not. <laughs> if not, you're one of the most placid people I know. <laughs> um, so just to provide a bit of context, what we're going to be looking at tonight is Acts 6, 7, and 8. Now, it's really, really long. Okay, it's really long. So I'm not going to... Normally what I'd do is I'd share the verse and we'd kind of go from it that perspective. But because it's so long, what I'd really encourage you to do is to go away 
and read about it. S uh, it's Acts 6, 7 and 8. I'm just going to pick out points from it um, because it is so long. So just to give you a bit of context, I need to drink this. At 6, um, verse 8, we're told of this character called Stephen, and we're told he was full of God's grace and power, Six, verse eight, Acts 6, verse 8, and that he would go and perform miracles. Now, Stephen was a stand-up character in the early church, okay, and he was so much so that he was appointed as a distributor for food um, for the people in the early church. So he was really well respected, he was really well looked up to. But we're told, as he's going around uh, performing miracles and sharing the word of God, that in Acts 6, verse 9, he meets opposition. And I was thinking to myself, why? Why does he meet opposition? This man who is well-respected, this man who is uh, performing miracles, seeing people healed, who's sharing the word of God, the good news of Christ, why is he meeting opposition? Because we live in a fallen world, a world full of sin, a world where the love of men is growing cold, a world where people are selfish and a world where sin is rampant. You see, whenever people are working for Christ, whenever there's a movement for God, we often find opposition. You'll find this. Put your hand if you've ever found that. When you feel like you're really making strides with God, you'll meet an opposition. I have. I can say that. We meet opposition. I can remember once working in a call centre, me, me and one of my really good friends got a job in a call centre and everyone knew there I was a Christian and I had a really good opportunity to share God with people and talk with people um, about different issues that people would come and talk to me about. And um, I can remember one day I walked in, I always whistle or I'm always singing when I go to work, I don't know why, I just love it. Uh, and everyone's saying, what's wrong with you? I'm just happy. <laughs> um, and uh, I can remember one day, this, you know, we had this really scary boss and I can remember him going, Andy, come here. And I thought, oh no, what have I done? What have I done? I was thinking, right, I've logged everything off, shut my computer down, I did all my calls, I logged them all. Uh, anyway, I was sat down in his office, door shut, I thought, oh, I'm in trouble now. Um, and I'd been accused of something that I hadn't done, um, but somebody had accused me of something, um, and everyone knew I hadn't done it, but I'd felt like I was really making inroads with people there. I was the only Christian there, and I'd heard somebody once say when I first started, um, if I ever meet a Christian, I'll punch them in the face. <laughs> so I'm there going, oh, probably not the best time to say it just yet. <laughs> probably not the time to share it just yet. But anyway, I started to, I started to make inroads. I started to, and people knew that I was, and that very person who said that to me uh, and to everyone else who declared it was one of the people who come and chat to me about things. But as I noticed, as I was starting to make movements with God in that situation, in that dark place, I was hitting opposition. And in John 16, 33, we're told that in this world we're going to have trouble. And that's really reassuring for us that when things come up against us, particularly as Christians, this isn't new for God. This is something that God knows is going to happen and he promises to be with us throughout it. So we're going to look at how Stephen dealt with this opposition. An unjust wrong was done to him. And it tells us that he'd been living in this godly way and then people started to come and pick arguments with him. People started to pick faults with him. His movement is meeting opposition. But we're told in Acts 6 verse 10 that they couldn't stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. And here's our first lesson. When somebody sins against us, when somebody does an unjust wrong to us, when somebody picks a fault with us, when somebody accuses us of something, the first thing we need to do, shut our mouths, 
and listen. Listen to what the Holy Spirit is prompting us to do in this situation. Don't do what I did and hot-headed, boil over and go and try and deal with it yourself. Listen to what God is saying to you. Stephen was living a godly lifestyle. He had every right to be offended at that point. How dare you say that to me? Haven't you seen I've made him walk? He can see. I'm feeding these people. How dare you say that to me? But he didn't. Listened. Listened to what the Spirit was prompting. When we do something, when somebody does something to us, how often do we listen? I would say rarely, to be honest. This is one of the things why I was saying. I feel, you know, I like to stand up for the truth. I like to stand up for justice. But when I was really reading this, it was God was talking to me. Andy, listen. Listen to what I'm saying. Because God, in that situation, can help us identify the causes of why that's happening and diffuse situations much better than we can. Much better than we can. Now, one of the things we like to think sometimes is that when we've listened to God, uh, something's happened to us and we're really, really cross, we're really, really angry, that if we listen to God, things will get better. But Stephen's story is clear fact that that doesn't happen. People don't always come and apologise. People don't always come and say, I'm really sorry, I did that wrong, I shouldn't have done that. If we look actually at what happened to Stephen, they began then to lie and stir up trouble, get other people involved. We've heard what this Stephen guy's done. Let's go after him. You see, just because we have the right reaction to a wrong doesn't always mean that things will get easier. And that person will respond and identify their mistake. Now, even worse for Stephen was, not only did he then have people stir up against him, they then dragged him in front of the courts, the Sahedron, accusing him of blasphemy. Now, it's interesting to see here that their hearts are displayed You see, blasphemy, like in some countries still, carried the death penalty. These religious people who were accusing Stephen of breaking their rules are actually breaking one of the Ten Commandments. Do not murder. He's not had a fair trial. Actually, he's blameless. We're told that they didn't have an answer for the wisdom that he provided from God. And yet they're wanting to kill him. You see, righteousness... And the way we think and the way we respond to situations exposes the intentions of others. The way we respond can expose the intentions of others. And that really helped me with that call centre incident because people knew I hadn't done it and I felt I didn't really have to justify myself. But the way I reacted to that was much better than the first incident. (laughs) And, um, you know, the intentions of that person and that was dealt with. And uh, I walked scot-free. I hadn't done anything anyway. Um... And that exposed that. So the way we react in righteousness, in truth, with wisdom, exposes the intentions of others. Now Stephen, with all this sin and wrongs committed against him, Stephen then finds himself on trial for something that doesn't really stand up. They haven't got an answer, they haven't got a response for him. He's not done anything really wrong. What does Stephen do then? He brings the word of God into the situation. He listens. And when appropriate, he brings the word of God into the situation. And I would just pose that challenge to you. Do you know what your Bible says? Are you ready to speak it into situations where it's needed? 
Now, this requires tact, <laughs> real tact, because I've been in conversations, done it myself probably before, uh, and I've seen it on Facebook many, many a time where somebody will do something to somebody and they will throw a verse at them out of context, <laughs> often to point score. And this isn't what Stephen did. Stephen is doing it to A, glorify God and expose the intentions of the others. And that's really, really important. Stephen listened, waited for wisdom, spoke truth into the situation, the word of God, tactically. Now, sometimes when these things happen to us, they don't necessarily require us to speak scripture into the situation. Sometimes we need to withdraw and pray. Sometimes we need to speak scripture in our room and pray over the situation. We're told that every word God speaks doesn't come back unfulfilled. You see, God's word is powerful. There is wisdom in listening, and there is wisdom in knowing when to talk into situations as well. And finally, lesson three, despite all of this, despite the listening, the waiting for wisdom, and then speaking God's word into the situation, what happens to Stephen? Acts 6, 54 to 58 tells us that they were so angry with him, intentions are exposed, they dragged Stephen out of the city and laid their coat at the feet of a young man called Saul, later Paul, who, interesting, approved of this. It tells us that he approved of this, this farcical trial, this murder, which is what it was. And Stephen, after all this, he hasn't had a hot-tempered reaction, like I did. He's trusting in God. He's plugged in, waiting for God to show him what to do next. All these wrongs that are done, no fault of his own. And he's still waiting for God. Now imagine Stephen. He probably had hopes for the future. He probably had his own plans of where God was going to take him. He might have even had his own dreams. And this was being taken away from him through no fault of his own. <laughs> no fault of his own. And all the time, he's plugged into God. He's got a right to be offended. He's got a right to be bitter, cross and angry, but he isn't. What does he do? He looked up to Jesus for direction and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And it tells us in Acts 7.59, while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord, receive my spirit. Then he fell and cried out, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. When he said this, he fell asleep. Lord, don't hold this sin against them. This wrong that was done to him unjustly. He said it and fell asleep. Now the final lesson we can learn from Stephen's story is to forgive. You see, we see a glimpse, no more than a glimpse, a full view of Jesus' character in this story. You see, every story in the Bible comes back to Jesus. In some way or another, it's all about God. It's all about Jesus. And I love it in Stephen's final moments. He looks up and he sees Jesus standing at the right-hand side of God. Now, in monarchy laws, royalty never stands. If a servant approaches, they stand, they bow and come. And Jesus is standing. And one of my favorite Christian teachers described this as, Jesus is cheering every stone that is thrown at Stephen as they're trying to kill him. And these stones were big. Every stone they were hurling at him, trying to kill him, they would often go for your head, knock you out, kill you. Forgive him, 
Forgive him, Jesus. Forgive. Uh, forgive him, Stephen, sorry. Forgive. You see, this is Jesus' heart. This is the same Jesus who was beaten, spat at, had a soiled sponge thrust in his face, being mocked, who was probably hung naked, ashamed for everyone to see. And what did Jesus say when he was on the cross, when things were done against him, totally unjustly? Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. You see, if Jesus can forgive that, a wrong, an unjust wrong, if Stephen can forgive that, an unjust wrong, we should too. The world tells us to exact revenge. When somebody does something wrong, the world encourages us as people to act, as reve act out revenge. And I was doing a little bit of research, and I found in the last 24 months, just under 24 months, 50 films have been released with a topic of revenge. What are we being fed? <laughs> Movement, opposition. Just looking through some magazines, I found four or five articles about revenge. Revenge has never tasted sweeter. You see, the devil, our enemy, promotes revenge because he hasn't been forgiven. He doesn't want to be forgiven. He doesn't understand the freedom that forgiveness brings. Unforgiveness is one of the best ways that the devil distances us from him, uh, from God, sorry. Because what does it lead to? I'm a prime example. Rash actions, hot-headedness, and lots of trouble. <laughs> I once worked in the call center. I once worked with a lady, and she'd had something done to her about eight years previous. And she would not let it go. She couldn't let it go. And I sat by her for about six months, and then she went. And every day, four or five times, I could guarantee that this topic would be brought up. This bitterness, this unforgiveness had rooted itself in her heart so much. And it was stealing her joy. It was robbing her life. The person who'd committed this in might not have even known they'd done it. But it was robbing her. You see, to stop our movement, the devil will distract us. And unforgiveness is one of the best distractions going. If we don't forgive, we become obsessed with the other person. If we're obsessed with the other person, where's our focus off? God, our focus isn't on Jesus. We're focused on what they've done. What happened to Peter when he came out of the boat? He lost his focus on Jesus, started sinking. And really interesting that Stephen didn't see the fruit of his forgiveness. And that's one of the things as humans is the hardest thing we find to forgive. They don't even know I've forgiven them. Why should I forgive them? They don't even know I've forgiven them. Don't they know how they made me feel? Stephen wasn't bothered about that. As he's getting rocks pummeled at his head, as people are murdering him for no fault of his own, he stands there, forgive them. Forgive them. I'm really talking to myself here as well now. Stephen never saw the results, the fruit of his forgiveness. He never saw it. He never saw the fruit of his forgiveness. But we're told in Acts 22, 19 to 21, Paul writes about it at a later date. 
And it's very, very clear from that that he is deeply remorseful. You see, Stephen's legacy carried on. That forgiveness breaks bonds, breaks resentment, breaks bitterness, and it's much more far-reaching than you realise. You see, if I forgive somebody, they might then go and forgive somebody else, and it causes a little chain. Stephen had every right to be bitter. Didn't look at it that way. Focus on God, forgave. And the impact that that had on Paul, who went, I mean, one of probably one of the greatest, except for Jesus, one of the greatest early philosophers, one of the greatest teachers, again, apart from Jesus, of the New Testament times. Stephen's actions had an impact, even though he never saw the fruit of it. If we're to show God's love to the world, we need to break the trend of bitterness and revenge and forgive. Easier said than done sometimes, I can say that. Looking back now at that situation that happened, I didn't handle it well. I was bitter because I'd seen it happen for such a long period of time. And I was right to be bitter because it wasn't right. But by going and forgiving them, thinking back now, that probably would have had more of an impact than what I chose to do that night. Not all sins, and this is really important, I really felt God wanted to just say this, can be forgiven um, and that's it. Everything's back to normal. You see, sometimes things happen to us that are are no fault of our own and they require time for wounds to heal. They require support from our our family, our friends, the church, other people. Okay, please don't listen to what I'm not saying. I'm not saying forgive and everything will be back to normal. Things do require support. But by forgiving, we break the stranglehold bitterness, resentment has on us and other people. By following Stephen and Jesus' example, we show the world and Jesus' heart to those around us. One of my favourite teachers says the following, if we're a loved people, we too must be a loving people. And if we're a forgiven people, we too must be a forgiving people. Now, just to close, let me just say, if you don't know God, if you don't know Jesus, Jesus will forgive you. You see, this is what this whole talk is based around. Jesus was beaten, uh, hung, crucified, spat on and laughed at. He was embarrassed, ridiculed, made to feel worthless, ashamed. And yet Jesus didn't hold that against them. Because his nature is to forgive. His nature is love, as we've just talked about earlier. We, we were chatting in the prayer meeting about um, glasses. They are, Mark. I've done it now. <laughs> um, and we were talking about having a new perspective. And this something as we were praying in there. Um, we were talking about having a new perspective. And I really feel that God would say that to us. Are you putting your glasses on of God? What is your perspective? Are we taking a long-term perspective like Stephen? He forgave. And look at the legacy it left. How many books have we got from Paul? What is your perspective? Short-term fulfillment, short-term bitterness, short-term revenge, or a long, long run of forgiveness? We look at Paul, how many people did he forgive along the way? Beaten, shipwrecked, whipped, nearly killed on many occasions. And what did he do? Forgave.
We serve a forgiving God. I'm just going to say that sentence one more time just to end with. If we're a loved people, we too must be a loving people. And if we're a forgiven people, we too must be a forgiving people too. Uh, We'll just bow our heads and just say a quick prayer. Heavenly Father, we first things first, we acknowledge the times when we have messed up Jesus, the times when we haven't forgiven, the times when we thought we could do it on our own, the thought when we thought bitterness or revenge was better. Lord God, we lay that before you and we say, Jesus, let your forgiveness wash over us, God. Lord God, help us to leave a legacy like Stephen. He's not mentioned much in the Bible, but the impact he had goes from page after page after page after page from you through his story, God. Heavenly Father, help us as forgiven people to be forgiving people.